Longhorn Nation, Sooner fans, welcome to episode 35 of the Boomer Bevo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma. You have Kevin Miller here on the other side of the screen. I'm John Whitson. And right off the top of the show, Kevin, Sarkeesian, your head football coach and offensive coordinator, finally listened to the Boomer Bebo podcast, and they ran the damn ball with B. John Robinson. Best performance of the year for him? Am I wrong about this? No, you are absolutely right about that. You Arguably had the to, best performance of his career. You had to do it. You're on the road. You're playing a good opponent. You've got to run the ball. If anything, they didn't run it enough. Another example of Quinn not – he had it in the first half. He did not have it in the second half. Luckily for you, Sark stayed away from Quinn and stayed with uh, Bijan and Roshan, and those boys looked great last night. That was a big win. It was ugly, and we'll get to the ugliness, but it was a big win. On the other side of this podcast, Oklahoma Falls to the Baylor Bears for the second year in a row. Dave Aranda and his beautiful bald head come out with a victory. We will break that loss down shortly. But first, Kevin, the number one game on the docket was Georgia and Tennessee, and it was exactly what we said would happen. Georgia's defense was just too good. The environment between the hedges, too good. Tennessee comes up short. Georgia wins big, reestablishing themselves as the clear number one team in the country. What did you think of that game? Yeah, like you said, it was exactly what we thought it would be, right? Tennessee did some decent things, but, man, they just could not get those big plays that they really, you know, made their mark on this season and all their big wins. They went against Alabama. They had these huge downfield passing plays, and Georgia put those talented DBs on them and just played man coverage, and they just could not get open. Um, Listen, it was exactly like we expect to see a Georgia game, a conservative offensive game and hellacious defense, and that's what they did again, and they really – they really Tennessee never had a chance. I mean, once 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 Tennessee once Georgia got the lead, you never thought Tennessee was coming back. You just you never did. Um, however, while that might have been the game going into the weekend, the game of the night was absolutely happening in Baton Rouge on Saturday night. Holy crap! What a ball game! Uh, your boy Jalen Daniels looked fantastic for the LSU Tigers. He did. Bryce Young. Rough first half, but boy, in that fourth quarter, he looked every bit like the defending Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, I mean, that that play he made for the touchdown pass to give him the lead was incredible. I mean, the guy is breaking tackles, juking and dodging defenders, and then just gets the ball down the field to a wide-open receiver for a touchdown. He showed he did the same thing against Texas in that, in that situation when they Texas had him in a third down, and he uh, was able to escape and make a big play. After week one, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, all right, remember, remind me. But after week one, I in particular was all over Brian Kelly for not going for two against Florida State, right? Florida State, correct. Uh huh. And I love that he learned his lesson. 
and he put the ball in the best player on the field's hands, and they went for two to win it. On the flip side, another very unsaving-like coaching decisions going on throughout the game with the two two-point conversion tries that failed. What is he doing going for two so early you in the know, game? And then I'm in the other sure one, you've got you got to go up. You go up four. You know who gives? Who cares about going up five? Yeah, I, I don't understand what the deal was there. You know, I mean, I don't know if he started to rely more on analytics, but that doesn't seem to make analytical sense, too. You know, no, there's no, so, there's no, yeah. an, there's no analytics that says a, a five a, a five point lead is better than a four point lead. It's that's. I mean, it, it, it became moot because, well, it didn't become moot. It, it In a way, it became moot because LSU went down and scored. But then all you would need is a field goal to win the game. Yes. So yes. it was very odd. Saban making very yeah, odd decisions. Weird. But, man, what a fantastic football game. Yeah, I mean, uh, the atmosphere in, in Baton Rouge was just – it was special. Um, you know, just seeing those scenes of those fans rush the field. Yeah, it was it was great to see. Are we are we getting a little much on the field rushing though lately? I mean, well, I, I mean, mean it, you know, this you beat this Alabama. Not a, it, it's you beat Alabama though, man. It's still Alabama. What what have they beat Alabama once out of the last twelve years, something like that? LSU. Okay, listen, I'm off. Look, I'm glad they beat Alabama. I mean, as I as I was watching that game, I, I we talked about it. I, I I didn't really like either team. I especially don't like Brian Kelly. But as the game's going on, I'm like, man, it should be nice if Bama loses. But when they started rushing the field, I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. But I mean, you're—I don't know. It, they weren't. I—I don't. I, 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 I think it's a bit of a goalpost. They didn't tear down the goalpost. That's exactly yeah. right. Very, very classy LSU fan. Very classy. Um, in Real proof, quick, is this an elimination game? Is, is Bama out? I think they're out of the playoff. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. I think I they're out of the playoff. Um, they might be out of the SEC championship game. If Ole, I mean, it, first of all, if Ole Miss beats them, it, it might not matter. Um, but I think so. I don't think the committee wants to give Alabama. I mean, if Al, well, let me ask you this: Alabama beats Ole Miss, Alabama still makes this conference championship game, correct? No, I think I think LSU controls their destiny now. I oh, think that's right. Because that, but I think yeah, because they both have the same amount of conference losses, and they would have to win tiebreaker. The okay, tiebreaker goes to LSU. Well, then yes, hundred percent. All I was thinking about is if somehow Alabama makes it to the conference championship with two losses and beats Georgia, I guess they still have a pulse. But they do that. That is a very good point there. But now, but LSU has Arkansas. They go at at Arkansas next week. Then they not have Alabama, good. Birmingham. No, they have not been good. They lost to Liberty yesterday. Um, Alabama, Birmingham at home, and then they go to Texas A and M. So very manageable schedule left for them. They can go. Yeah, but it doesn't. And they, I guess, they hold the tiebreaker over Ole Miss. Yeah, but they Ole, beat Ole Miss too. But Ole Miss only has the one loss. So if Ole Miss wins out, they're in. Um. Right? Oh, doesn't Ole Miss only have one? Don't yeah, they only have one, one conference, conference loss? loss. Well, let's see. Let me check. Because I'm almost positive they've lost to LSU, but I don't. They LSU, haven't played Alabama yet. The only game they've lost all season, right? Yeah, they haven't played Alabama yet. So Ole Miss controls their destiny, even with that loss to LSU. Well, um, actually, actually, hold on. LSU only has one conference loss, only to Tennessee. 
Oh, really? Yeah, the other loss was to Florida State week one. So the only conference really? they lost was to Tennessee. Uh-huh. Wow. And Ole Miss has a one loss, which is to LSU. So if both teams went out, LSU is still in. They still win the SEC West. Shame on LSU fan for being so down on Brian Kelly after losing to Florida State. Um, man, what a turnaround. That's fantastic. Um, in further proof that a broken clock is right twice a day, Notre Dame up, uh, upsets Clemson, as I predicted. Uh, Clemson is just not very good offensively. The minute that game got 14 to nothing, Notre Dame – uh, you just never thought Clemson was coming back under any circle. I just never thought they were coming back. And yeah. Notre Dame still, they didn't beat them offensively, even though they got 35 points on the board. That was a defensive just shut down and they got special teams and a pick six and, you know, so many other things. But congratulations to Notre Dame. I hope that's an elimination game for Clemson. But my guess is Clemson's going to keep winning and probably take care of things in the ACC. So probably not an elimination game. Yeah, Yeah, probably not. Uh, but they will play North Carolina, so that's something to look at. TCU puts Tech away in the fourth quarter, 34-24. Um, the biggest question, and I'm wondering if this is where uh, the the line is for next week's game against you guys, if why Texas is looking like an early favorite, is this the big receiver from TCU going to play next week? Yeah, I mean, Quentin Johnson, I've talked about him so many times on this podcast this year. I think he's one of the best receivers in the country. Yeah, was out for this game. I'm not sure what happened. I saw him on the sidelines. I saw him in uniform, but he wasn't on the field. Did you hear what happened? No, no. All they said was he's warming up, but told his teammates he can't go. Yeah. So maybe he's trying to save it for next week, you know? But well, it, it, I'm telling you what, their offense did not look the same without him there, but their defense looked all. really good. Their defense looked really good in the second half. They are. They're the most second-half team that we've seen all year. They are fantastic yeah. in the second half. Yeah, they're um, the opposite of Texas, basically. They're the opposite of Texas, and that's what has to have you worried about it, right, is will they make the adjustments? Will Dykes make the adjustments? Um, we'll get to that TCU game. That's a huge game, and that's going to be something that we'll we'll preview yeah. uh, for and all the U.S. They were down. Remember, they were down after the third quarter. TCU was. It was 17-13. Oh, they, they're, they're down every – touchdowns. This is like their fourth, fourth quarter comeback this year. They're down yeah. all the time. Um, USC beats Cal. Congratulations, Lincoln Riley. For all you USC fans, though, get used to this. Is get used to the other team scoring 21 points in the fourth quarter and making it a game. No lead is going to be safe against USC. This is exactly what Oklahoma experienced for five years. Even when we were making the college football playoff, no lead was safe. Cal sucks, and to a lot let them score 21 in the second half is just indicative of what an Alex Grinch defense looks like. So good luck against against anybody that's good. Uh, Kansas officially eliminates Oklahoma State from Big 12 title contention, although I think we all knew that. And then lastly, in scores to be noted, or at least statistics to be noted, Chandler Mordecai for SMU. Nine touchdowns, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) what are we doing here? Houston and SMU. What was the final score? 77 to 63 or something? Dude, SMU SMU's not going to score that many points in basketball this year. And Houston might not either because um, Kelvin Sampson is not an offensive-minded basketball coach. So there's a very good chance this is more than they score when they play each other in basketball. Yeah, uh, correct. I got to tell you. The final, or the Elite Eight last year. 
You know, I feel like maybe just because we're watching the Big 12, I feel like games have been more defensive this year. So it was kind of nice to see an offensive explosion like you saw from SMU. But, man, Chandler Mordecai. Oh, Tanner. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was thinking Chandler Morris. Holy cow. We're getting beat by everybody. We're losing all these quarterbacks. Tanner Mordecai, it's really a what-if situation. You know, what? uh, somebody once told me that he was slated to beat out Jalen Hurts in 2019 but got hurt in fall uh, in fall camp I don't know how true that is but when you look at stats like that it makes you think that he was probably putting on a show a little bit in practice don't you think yeah you'd have to think so right I mean this guy was a a big recruit out of uh Waco so I'm just glad it's worked out for him right I like to see players have it work out even if it doesn't work out at the place that they wanted to go you know originally so for him to get to SMU and be able to have some success. Hey, great for him. Players that transfer because of um, playing time, especially quarterbacks, because it's so hard to break into that rotation. Yeah, that's only once, one, you, have, right? once you have an established starter. Yeah. Um, kids, kids don't want to sit on the bench. You're not going to hear me blame a kid for transferring when they're not getting playing time. You know, no. the Caleb Williams deal – I, I, first of all, Caleb Williams can do whatever he wants, but it's just different to me when he's plays a starter and then he transfers to be another starter. I don't know. That always seems odd. But making lateral moves. Make, yeah, making a lateral move. But for, for a guy like Tanner Mordecai to make a change and then see success, I'm all for it. Um, Kevin, in the state of Oklahoma and a little bit of, of northeast Texas, but southeast Oklahoma – uh, got ravaged by an EF3 tornado late Friday night. This is the Ida Bell area, Broken Bow area. Uh, we've got some clients down there that um, have been big supporters of Brown O'Haver and the um, and the BBP, really. And I'm speaking of BFC. Bob from Cement has a fantastic cabin down there that Alice and I have used a number of times. Sounds like the cabin's okay but there's a church that got destroyed, some schools. Uh, it's it's not a good situation. Um, if you know anybody that has been affected, make sure they have Brown O'Haver's information, 405-735-5510. We can support folks all through the state of Oklahoma. We can even support them in Northeast Texas. If you know somebody that's been affected or you've been affected, give Brown O'Haver a call. We're public insurance adjusters. We work for the insured not the insurance company. So that means if you've been hit by this tornado and you're not sure what the next steps are, or maybe because you're down in Southeast Oklahoma and you're not getting the responsiveness you want from your insurance company or your adjuster, give us a call. We can be an adjuster for you. Make sure you get paid. We're based in Moore, Oklahoma. Nobody has better experience, unfortunately, for dealing with tornadoes and the effects of a tornado than we do here and more. So give us a call 405-735-5510. However we can help, whether it's advice, recommendations, or just you signing up with us as a client, we will help you get through the process or anybody that you know that's been affected. So give us a call. Uh, Kevin, the University of Texas. Y'all looked like world beaters in the first half. It was yeah. it, it was exactly as you described it. For everybody that might be listening for the first time, Kevin has talked about this trend with Texas. You had complete control of the game. There was that one Xavier Worthy 
catch where he made a double move on a kid, which was just filthy. And when that, and yeah, and when that kid caught, when Xavier Worthy caught it, you thought, oh, well, this game's over. It was not. It was not. Adrian Martinez brings him back, makes it a ball game, but ultimately you win 34-27 in Manhattan. You're hope you're now in control of your destiny for the Big 12 championship game. Lead us through the game. Yeah, man. I mean, it's pretty much what we've seen from Texas since Sark has been there. You know, his opening script is just amazing. First three drives, three touchdowns. You know, they're up you know, 21 points just like that. And man, the running game was unstoppable. Bijan Robinson had what I feel like was the best game of his career. 30 carries, 209 yards and a touchdown. Got two catches for 34 yards. They're just unstoppable doing whatever they want to offensively in the first half. Then, of course, we get to halftime and things change. You can't tell me you weren't puckered up in that second half, especially in that fourth quarter. Listen, man, at this point, every time they play, anytime they have a lead at halftime, I'm terrified. Even though this one was 21 points larger than what they normally have, yeah, I knew it because this team is two different teams from half one to half two. I don't understand it. I don't even know if Sark understands it. But something has to give with that, right? Eventually, they're going to get burned. Well, they've been burned several times. Um, It's going to happen again if they don't figure out some way to manufacture points in the second half. I mean, three points in the second half after uh, 31 in the first half. 31 in the first half. Um, Did they stick with Bijan in the second half or did they go away from Quinn? Was not, at least statistically, Quinn was not very effective. Yeah, he was just okay. Yeah. Wasn't bad, but he was he, not very good. Wait, wait. No. T- let me back up. He made good plays in the first half. Okay, he he was yeah. a, he was a, he just didn't look like he had it in the second half again. I don't know if that was scheme. If we if Kansas State had made some adjustments, but did we at least stick with Bijan and Roshan in the second half? You did, you did. Now Kansas State made adjustments though, so they weren't popping off those huge runs like they were in the first half. But they did stick with it. I think we talked about this on the preview episode, right? I wanted 40 carries between Bijan and Roshan. You got 37. 37. Yeah, yep. 37 between the two. So close. I would have liked a few more, but but close. They stuck with the run game. Man, they just held on for dear life. I'm just glad they were able to make a play. The thing about this team, too, they have forced so many fumbles this year, and they are never able to recover them. We saw two that they forced that somehow K-State was able to get back on. And then finally – on that last drive, they were able to sack Martinez, knock the ball out, and finally recover it to end the game. What does Roshan Johnson have to do to get more carries? Um, his yards per carry, again in this game, is 8.9 yards a carry. I Listen, Bijan's your bell cut. This is not – I'm not saying take runs away from Bijan, but I'm saying take past attempts away from Quinn Ewers – I mean, 8.9 yards of carry. Kevin, that's more effective than most people's really? passing games. Man, it just sounds like these offensive coordinators are just so stubborn, right? They're so stubborn. We saw this from Lincoln Riley, and I think Sark and Lincoln Riley are the two, at least the most creative play callers in the country, right, and, and play designers in the country. And these guys are just stubborn. Yeah. Sometimes they just seem to go away from, from the run. And, and Although that, and that, that fumble by Roshan was not good. That guy, he, 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 yeah. ran, he ran him down, and that was just a perfect strip. Oh my it gosh! Really was. It but was. you can see it coming too, right? You you can see him ch- catching up. You can see exactly what he was going to do. What we but saw, yeah. from, 
what we saw from Adrian Martinez is the level of ability this kid has. And he, he, he was very effective in the second half. He was getting out of jams, but you saw what caused him problems. You finally saw what caused him problems at Nebraska. And that was his inability to take care of the football. After getting that one fumble in the final deal where it rolls out of bounds, fortunately for K-State, you would think to yourself, good Lord, hold on the ball. But just yeah. terrible ball security. Y'all make a great play on the ball in the game. Your defense makes a play. Um, what did you think about the way y'all s- held K-State's offense in check? I- at least especially you know, the first impressed. half. Yeah, I was I was actually impressed by it. Deuce Vaughn, I mean, we know how good. We talked about this in the preview episode, too. This guy's dynamic. And to hold him, 19 carries for 73 yards, 3.8 yards a carry. Yeah, I'm really impressed with the Texas defense. Now, the pass defense, again, got exposed a bit, and we let Adrian Martinez, who's not very good at throwing the ball, right. made him look great at times. You know, the middle of the field stuff is still a problem, right? But I think they're just showing a kind of bend but don't break type deal. You know, you let kind of teams kind of get down the field but try to buckle up in the red zone. We held them to, to quite a few field goal attempts. I but, was um, just – when I was looking at the stats and saw 269 yards rushing versus K-State's 139, I mean, that's the ball game right there. Now, now, that's not how it looked like it played out with how many you scored and how many. But if Texas can get the lead and then rely on the run, it, it puts the other team in a really bad spot. Even if they can make adjustments, even if they can sell out for the run, the leads that Texas is able to typically get out on. And this is going to go into next week against TCU. TCU has been a fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter team all year. But if they get down to Texas and Sark is committed to running the ball, it's going to be really hard for TCU to come back against Texas in the second half. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do why Texas is considered to be a early favorite in that game, is their ability to run the ball. Well, I'm sure it's that, and I think it's probably the uncertainty in Quentin Johnson. Correct. Correct. Yeah, he's a dynamic player. So, um, Also, you know, I want to give a shout-out to Texas' offensive line. You know, I thought they did a great job. We talked about the Felix kid, the outstanding pass rusher, yeah. For Kansas State, I mean, he had no quarterback hurries at all. Kelvin Banks, the f- true freshman, left tackle. I mean, he was not effective as a pass rusher. He did some really good things in the run. He had six tackles, but he had no sacks. He had no quarterback hurries at all. No, I <clears throat> Due to look, Kelvin Banks, this guy, man, listen, he's a true freshman. It's gotten to the point to where we don't even have to worry about him. Yeah. He's a true freshman. It was like when, you know, you guys have had guys like Trent Williams or Jamal Brown over the years. You don't worry about whoever yeah. their pass not, rusher is. He's not your concern. Right, yeah. That guy's oh, got his spot locked down. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, I mean, we're going to enjoy him while we have him because it seems like after a couple of years, he's going to be a first-round pick. So, it was an absolute well, home run. We yeah. talked about – you were we talked about Texas being – uh, having four pivotal games. They've now gotten one of those games under their belt. So now they've got three, and we'll, we'll talk about TCU in detail on the next show, but just a very quick look ahead. TCU, Kansas, Baylor. None of those three are – I mean, TCU obviously should be top five by the time the polls come out. I believe the CFP comes out on Monday. I bet you're going to see TCU in the top five. Kansas, Jaden Daniels is back, and he looked great. And you, that game's on the road. And then Baylor, especially after what they did to Oklahoma, 
I got to tell you, if Texas can win out, they will deserve wholeheartedly to be in the Big 12 championship game because that, including the K-State game, that is a gauntlet. Yeah, I completely agree, man. But, you know, it's nice to be in a spot to where you're in control of your destiny for once. You're not having to rely on, oh, we win and this team wins and that team loses, then we may have a chance. No, it's completely in your hands. So whatever happens, good or bad, it's on you. So, yeah, I think it was a good win. Uh, Speaking of not-so-good wins, or not a win at all, the University of Oklahoma falls to Baylor. Kevin, when your defense – now, people – we'll talk about the offense. I'll get to the offense. I'll get to the three interceptions by Dylan Gabriel. I'm going to get to all of that. But when your defense – a vaunted Brent Venables. We've reestablished our physicality against Kansas and Iowa State. Our defense is starting to make the adjustments that need to be made to win big games. When they allow some dude named Squirrel, not making that up, that is a legitimate name. It's that is his name. Is Squirrel Williams, who who has a knee brace on, which when you see a running back with a knee brace, it, it does not look normal. Okay. So he's got a knee brace on. He's a fifth-year junior who has a career total going into this game of 456 yards. Okay? A career total going into the Oklahoma game in Norman with a knee brace on, and you let him run for 192 yards? Holy crap, dude. What, what is Oklahoma doing that they allow that to happen? It's so incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I never heard of the kid before this game. Before this game, no. I was expecting Richard Reese, right? We talked about him in the preview episode because he's had 36 carries last week, 31 the week before that. Richard Reese had four carries for seven yards. He wasn't in a touchdown, but he was pretty much a non-factor. We got this guy, Craig Squirrel Williams, come out of nowhere and rush for almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, I have no and, idea for record, and for the no record, and for the record. Squirrel is spelled with a W. So we'll let just let that sink in to the entire narrative of this thing, right? Is squirrel is with a W. Um, the announcers for ESPN Plus, which I don't think Ryan Leaf was that bad. I don't know who the lady is. And no, but she was god awful. That was one of the worst play-by-play announcers. She sounded like a high school play play-by-play announcer that got called in. And, and everything was amazing. Every play was amazing. Oh, my gosh. Did you see that four-yard run? That's amazing. And I'm like, I can't deal with this. I had to turn it off. I turned it off even before I headed to the soccer game and put the radio on. I could not handle ESPN Plus and their coverage. I could. It, it made me so mad. And I'm sure if Listen, we don't. Okay. I'm oh. with you on this. Okay. It almost seems like they hired a bunch of interns and say, hey, you guys want to cover a game? Yes. Yes. It was it was so weird, man. And then just the last, we have huge plays going on and no replay. Oh no. no or yeah. or if they showed you a replay, they showed it from two plays ago. Like yeah. they were okay. My son, for those that don't know, Jeffrey also works for Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. He moonlights for K ref as a color analyst for their high school football games. KREF covers about half the high schools in the metro, Oklahoma City metro. 
Any one of those play-by-play guys would have done a better job than that lady. And they are calling high school football games for like 15 bucks an hour. I have no idea how this lady even got a chance, let alone an Oklahoma game. Whatever. I just went off on a tangent. She was terrible. Hey, Back listen, though. Oh, real quick, before you move on from that, that's been my biggest complaint about the Longhorn Network. Their games and their broadcasts and stuff, it just seems like it's all being run by amateurs. It's, it's, just- it's, it's incredibly frustrating. I'm like, this is Texas and this is Oklahoma, right? You can't be putting, if you're going to have ESPN Plus, you've got to have at least a top notch, at least a mid tier crew working it. It, it. It's crazy. It was so I mean, bad. It, yeah, you, you see said a big it play, there's no replay, or they go straight to commercial after a big play. They come back, there's no mention of it again. And like you said, oh, here's a big play that just happened. Here's a replay. Oh, sorry, this is a play from three plays ago. Yeah. And yeah, I think, it, was, it was hard to watch. And I'm not even an OU fan, and I was frustrated to watch. I was, I was positive about Ryan Leaf coming in. And I think – I'm going to say this. I think his offensive line let him down in this case because I think he even he was like, what, what the hell's happening? Well, I, I'm trying to make it – I'm trying to analyze the game, and I can't even get a replay. Yeah, it was rough. Whatever. It was terrible. Anyway, back to the defense. <sighs> Here's what we talked about in the pregame. We talked about our tackling needed to be better. Uh, we needed to scheme up to stop the run against Baylor. Physicality and a mentality to play defense. It, in the second half, it primarily on that critical drive, we had stopped them. They hadn't scored as much, but on the critical drive, they went 11 plays, eight runs on those 11 plays for 80 yards, five minutes and 35 seconds. And I thought Teddy Lehman and Gabe Eichard we're going to go insane with our defensive scheme. I was listening to it on the radio. I couldn't exactly see what was happening. But Teddy, who loves Brent Venables, has been a little hesitant to be negative. But on that drive in particular, he was beside himself on containing the edge, okay? Making sure that we're forcing runs in into the defense, back into the center of the field. Apparently, it didn't happen at all on all eight running plays. None of them were fancy, and they just ran it right down our throat. Yeah, you know, and I think that was my biggest concern for OU going into this game because, you know, the run defense is great against Iowa State, but, you know, their running game is not very good. So I felt like coming into it, we still weren't sure how good this run defense can be. And, man, um, but still, I didn't expect Baylor to run for 281 yards. Or a dude named Squirrel to get 192. Um, Real quick, on the penalties, we had talked about penalties. Penalties – from a statistical standpoint, we're fairly even. Baylor had six for 65 yards. OU had eight for 64 yards. But there's a critical personal foul penalty at the end of the first half. You're in sure field goal range. You're tying the game going into halftime. And you get a hands to the face, ripping off the face mask, whatever he did. Again, I was listening to it on the radio. And it pushes you 15 yards back. And you've got to kick a 50-yard field goal with that win that was swirling far from a guarantee that's like not on the kicker. To, yeah. It's not on the kicker to miss that field that he gave, he ripped it, but that it was a won. bad. Yeah. That was a bad play. Uh, we talked about special teams, but I'm not even putting that on special teams. I'm putting on a stupid penalty in a critical part of the field. Now let's shift offensively. All Dylan Gabriel has done all year is take care of the football. And I have said all year, uh, he's good. And he's doing enough for us to win the game. But the most important thing is he's not losing the game 
because he's taking care of the football. Three interceptions in the first half, giving leading to short fields, every one of them, leading to scores on every one of them. That's where you that's the game was lost in the first half when he had three interceptions. Yeah, it was rough because other than that, you guys went up and down the field. We up and down. Um, Aranda's defense, right? And then, you know, they played Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl last year, and they shut down that offense that was coordinated by Gillespie. By mm-hmm. Levy. Yep. Right? So we wondered if that would be a factor. Not, No, not at all. They went right up and down the field really all game. Did whatever they wanted to. So, yeah, those turnovers were killer. Killer, man. I mean, 500 yards of offense – um, the running game looked good, but yeah, those turnovers, man. I mean, it just really put you in a bad spot. If not for that, I really feel like you guys could have been up by maybe 17 points at halftime. And Baylor is not built to come back from those type of deficits. Uh, exactly right. We we're moving the ball. There was a critical play in the second quarter where it was fourth and one, and we decided to go wildcat which I'm fine with. The Wildcat has been very effective. So you just make the call, you go with it. But instead of doing Braden Willis or Eric Gray, we do Marcus Major, who hasn't been as effective at the Wildcat, isn't having an effective game, and it was just a very bad play. Like if you're going to run Marcus Major, line him up and run him. He's going to pick up the yard, or you hope, in a traditional run game. But if you're trying to do something with the Wildcat, you get Braden Willis or Eric Gray back there. Yeah, you get a 6'3 guy who's going to fall forward. Like Oh, 100%. 100%. Who's just a big body. All you need is a yard. So it was – that was – and this is the problem when you lose a game by three points is you can nitpick every, you know, individual Everything. play. If this happened, if that would have happened. But I thought that was a big turnaround, especially when Baylor's picking up every fourth down they try. That dude – Dave Aranda, I don't think he has – I don't think it's analytics. I think it's simply saying, I can pick up the first down. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, uh, even when you get him in like third and four, third and five, you're like, man, this is four down territory. Like, he's going to go for it. No doubt. No doubt. You know you got two downs left. um, Despite the interceptions, to your point, we're very effective against Baylor. 494 total yards. The game was lost in the first half with three interceptions. But here's the key. We had a chance to win it, okay? The yeah. game was not won in the fourth quarter on that drive when we had to stop them. We had to make a stop. It didn't happen. We um, And preceding that, at the end of the third quarter, we had a decision to go on fourth down. I think it was the right decision to punt. I do. Because if you don't get it there, um, you're really giving Baylor a short field. But then to kick it into the end zone, it just – Yeah. It doesn't – again, it's those nitpicking things. But at the same time, uh, you don't sell out for the – and then you don't sell out for the run. You know Baylor's going to run the ball. Shapin was incredibly ineffective the entire game passing it. Correct. Like They had you, no threat of a passing game at all. And I, I was surprised with some of the formations. I thought they would really, really load the box up on those last few drives in the fourth quarter, and they didn't. Um. Yeah, so I hate losses like that. I told you that yesterday. It was kind of like the Texas Oklahoma State loss, but it's a one-score game. You just look at everything that could have happened yeah. that would have made the difference in the game. I do want to say how impressed I was and how impressed I've been with Eric Gray this season. Um, I think he's a tough runner. He always tries to fight for extra yards. He's a really good receiver. Um, 
I think he's kind of exceeded any expectation that OU fan would have had for him uh, coming uh, into the year. So, hundred percent. I mean, we've joked about where I stood on Eric Gray, but I did not expect him to be as effective and consistently effective as he's been every game. You can count on him every game. Um, twenty-three carries. We wanted him to have over twenty, so they 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 went to him and they stayed with him. Didn't get a lot from anybody else. Didn't get a lot from anybody else in the run game. Marcus Major didn't have a good game. He he has not looked right since he's been hurt. Um, and they're so closed mouth, you don't know what he's hurt with, but it just doesn't look right. Uh yeah. DG was DG was actually, I thought, pretty well timed with his receivers. I thought him and Marvin Mims connected better. Yeah, we're uh, to see him have a bounce back game too. Oh, Marvin, yeah, Marvin for sure. Yeah, Marvin Mims, yeah. Uh, and he, you know, some very competitive catches from those guys. But here's the deal, man. Uh, one of those was a tip, and those are hard. Is it on the quarterback? I don't know. But the other tip one to Braden Willis. Okay, so we say, here's the deal. He threw it into, it looked like triple coverage, though. Yeah. So even though it's like, well, it was tipped. No, it doesn't matter. If it wasn't tipped and Braden, Braden Willis lets that go over his head, it's landing right in the safety behind him. It was not that was not a good decision on that interception. And that was a, they were all pivotal, but that one was a really pivotal one. We were moving the ball. We we're about to take the lead back from Baylor. It, it wasn't good. And so those three interceptions kill you. And then your defense's lack of ability to stop the run, especially in the second half, especially when you have to stop it. It just it caused a three-point loss at home. And it's frustrating as heck. And yeah, because there was still a path. There was still a, a small path to where you could have gotten into the conference championship game, right? So you still had a lot to play for. Dude, you had a lot to play for just to go nine and three. I mean, nine and three would have yeah. been ginormous. I mean, yeah. you'd have gotten these, you'd have, you'd have started hearing guys talk about, oh, you want to know whose team's playing the best right now? It's Oklahoma, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah you finish the season strong, you can kind of lock down your recruiting class if yeah. any guys are wavering, you know. Um, so going forward, man, I mean, you got West Virginia next week. What are you, what are you thinking there? I know we'll uh, get into it with our preview episode. but Well, it's another 11 a.m. kick. Uh, hopefully that means we don't have the freshman team calling the game again because that was just insane. Um, West Virginia is, is out of it. They've been out of it. But, you know, they've never – we've never lost to West Virginia in West Virginia. So it's one of those deals like this has been a season of firsts, so that makes me nervous. Oklahoma State suddenly looks a lot more beatable. And Texas Tech, I, I don't know. They they play everybody tough. Everybody. Um, they play everybody tough. It's gonna be in Lubbock. I don't know, man. If we'd have been able to win against Baylor, I think like like you guys, right? You got that win. Now all of a sudden these next three games look really positive. Like you're seeing a path to winning all these games. Yeah. We lose to Baylor, and it's like well, here's the path to losing all these games. I, it, it's just, I don't think anybody left on the schedule is as physical as Baylor. I think no, that's not even close. I think that is uh, the uh, captain obvious statement of the podcast. And so I think that helps. Uh, but to sum up this game, you don't, you don't play fundamental football, right? And that's where Baylor, that's where Baylor does their job is they play fundamental tough football. We don't. We have three interceptions, and we and we lose out on the physicality in the run game. It's either physicality or screen or, or scheme. It's one or the other. If 
if the players were in the right position per the coaches, then we weren't physical enough, right? If the players were in the wrong position because they're dumb, then it's coaching, Correct. right? Then it's co- It's one of the they're either not physical or coaching because it, there's really no other uh, explanation for it. Anyway, OU loses to Baylor 38-35. OU season is officially a disaster. I don't know how we're going to recover as a program, but that's okay. There's always next week. Real quick, though, Kevin, as it re- as it relates to the Big 12 in general, is this the most fun Big 12 season that anybody can remember? Oh, yes, yeah, especially from top to bottom. I mean, 2008 was fun because you have the three teams, OU, Texas, and yep. Texas Tech all battling out. That was fun. But, yeah, from top to bottom, right, there's no easy win. Kansas is bowl eligible. They're third in the conference right now. Look, I think if you go to the SEC, which is really the only conference I think worth having a comparison with, because I think you, I think you have Ohio State and Michigan in the in the Big Ten, and after that, I think I think the big I think the Big Twelve is superior to every other team in that. I mean, I don't think they can put up another team that matches. I mean, you're talking Illinois was their only other ranked team. Yeah. So when you look at the SEC, you've got Georgia and Tennessee, who I think are very good, obviously, for obviously very good. Georgia, probably easily number one. But after that, I think LSU and Bama are good. But I don't know that LSU or Bama, I mean, we saw it with Texas. We saw it firsthand. Alabama yeah. going into Texas. They did not roll in that game. They should have lost that game. I don't know that I don't know that LSU rolls into TCU and just beats down TCU. I think that the SEC has a mystique. I think SEC has a uh, of the down, big time. I think they have an environment. I love the environment. Don't get every game looked great. But look, dude, I think from top to bottom, we are every bit as competitive as the bottom eight or nine in the SEC. I completely agree. Yeah. I think you pluck out TCU, K-State, Texas, a healthy Oklahoma State, and plop them into the SEC, and they are a one- or two-loss team right now, somehow jockeying for position. Not able to beat Georgia, but but giving Alabama and LSU everything they want, and it really yeah, probably depends on where they play. Ole Miss. Same with Ole Miss, right? Yeah, same thing. I, I, just, I don't know. I just think that we're a very solid program right now. And you look at Baylor. Nobody wants to play Baylor. You're, no. you're not going to want to play Baylor at the end of the season. No. So I, I don't know. Texas A&M, man, tied for the second worst record in the SEC, one and five in conference. Three um, and six overall. So the in the pregame for the Oklahoma game, they were going over the injury report for A&M, and it was – like 14 starters and and those starters backups were out like they were on third string guards and a second string center and all through the secondary and so Florida should have won the game like that was that was a should have won A&M was with them in the first half I think they had the lead going into halftime yeah they um they put up 24 points uh in the first half against Florida I gotta tell you it's just um I think it's still – I mean, it, how, how it doesn't come down to Jimbo, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is year five. This is year five, right? I mean – It's year five. You know, it's his guys. Venables in his first year. Sark last year went five and seven. It was his first year. 
This is year five. It's a guy you're paying $9.5 million a season. Well, it's it's year five, and and the schedule really set up for AM, which is probably Correct. the reason why everything was AM. Yeah, okay, so you got to play Alabama and LSU. Well, you got to play them every year, but every year, yeah. But LSU was coming on a new coach, new quarterback, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if he's a new quarterback. I think he, is he new. Is this he's new there. Year? He's new there. Yeah. yeah, he came from Arizona State. Yeah, so first year quarterback, first year coach. You're you're on you're in year five. You've got all the talent in the world. If and, and then if you just had those two losses, if you just had losses to LSU, Bama, you'd right. be talking about having a pretty good team. Yeah, um, you're still in. You're still in position for the playoff. Yeah, absolutely. Just like Alabama is with two losses. Just like right. Alabama is with two yeah. losses. You'd be ranked around eleven or twelve with two losses. And if you could somehow backdoor into the SEC championship, but it doesn't matter, dude. Jimbo is not a good offensive coordinator right now. No, he's a, he's has, a, really, has he ever been other than the one year with Jameis? I don't know. He's a hell of a recruiter. Whatever they're oh, doing, yeah. whatever they're yeah. doing, he is selling it, whether it's NIL money. But even before NIL money, A&M has been landing Correct. some good recruiting classes. So mm-hmm. clearly he's a hell of a recruiter. It's one of those situations where his pride is in the way and he's got to hand, hand over, A, the coordinating and the play calling duties to somebody else because he just doesn't have it right now. Now, are they going to make him do that? Think about it. He he runs that whole university now. He has a fully guaranteed $95 million contract. If they fire Jimbo today, they'd have to pay him $86 million to leave. So what if he says, nah, I don't want to change coordinators. I'll just uh, keep calling the plays. What are they going to do? Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, th- listen, this is an example. We People talk about this on sports radio all the time. It's It's the extensions. The amount of money is whatever the amount of money is. Like if it, if these guys making ten million dollars a year is not off. It's not. It's weird. It and doesn't it's, bother me at all. It's off putting, but that's just where we're at. But to extend yeah. for so long and not to have reasonable buyouts built in, it's like how many times are guys like this going to? How many times are athletic departments going to get burned? Like I don't know why you can't say Jimbo, we're going to pay you twelve million a year, and here's a two year extension, not a six year extension. Correct. It's just crazy Correct. to me. I don't understand it. And don't tell me you're afraid of him leaving. He hasn't won anything. Nobody wants to hire Jimbo Fisher right now. No. Auburn, Auburn is not trying to hire Jimbo Fisher. Nebraska's not trying to hire Jimbo Fisher. Nobody is. You did not have to extend him and put yourself in this position. But for Oklahoma and Texas, we freaking love it. Kent, or, uh, Kevin, we have another round of what looks like to be fantastic games. You are playing undefeated TCU next week. We're going to break it down in the next episode, but very quickly, just a quick gut check on how you're feeling very early in the week. I mean, look, they're one of the best teams in the country, right? So it's going to be a tough game, but I love the fact that the game is in Austin, right? Where they play better. They haven't played at home in a while. It's going to be a great atmosphere at DKR. It's going to be sold out. It's a night game on ABC, right? Yeah. I love it. It's been a long time since we've had one of those. So, I mean, it's going to be a great atmosphere. The team's going to be ready to go. Bijan's going to be ready to go. So I'm excited. I think we can hang with TCU. I'm not predicting a win at this point at all, but I think we can hang with um, with this very explosive TCU game. I think if Sark can get his S together, then, yes, y'all can hang with them and make it an incredibly competitive ball game coming down to the fourth quarter. Um, and I'm just – I'm really looking forward to the breakdown because I think it's going to be fascinating – 
to see uh, what you think of what y'all are going to do with Duggan, what you're going to do with Quinn Johnson, and how you're going to make adjustments in the second half because you've been right on all year. Oklahoma gets West Virginia. At this point in the season, we're playing for pride and we're playing to secure a what is still a very good recruiting class. Uh, we've got to get back on the winning ways, keep the positivity going in Norman heading into next season. It's a weird position for Oklahoma fan. We haven't been in this position a lot. And in fact, it's been years since we've been in this position. So we're adjusting, but that's okay. I think BB's doing okay. Um, but you can't lose to Baylor. So with that, Kevin, we'll talk next week with the preview. Boomer. Welcome. Okay.